Notre Dame football is back. Sorry, Wyatt. Sorry, haters. We won a big game. Notre Dame shocked the college football world by beating Clemson in a double overtime thriller. You guys all know about it. I'm joined by the Youth Thought Sports podcast group, Lucas, Aiden, Bart, Wyatt, and myself, Jared. Um, let's just get straight into the Notre Dame game, which was easily the best game of the season. Lucas, where does this win rank in fighting Irish lore, and whose performance impressed you the most? I'm so happy. Like, I did not think this was going to happen in the in the least. Um, but this is, without exaggeration, the best Notre Dame football win of my lifetime. Uh, having been born in 1997, it has not been exactly a great run uh, since I came into this world. They've played pretty abysmally in, against top-tier opponents in any single big game they played against. USC 2005, they blew it to the bush push. Alabama 2012... Don't even want to talk about that. Clemson in both 2015 and 2018, both losses. Miami in 2018, a big loss. Georgia in 2017 and 2019, big losses. I mean, close losses, but they lost. So they've just never been able to get over the hump in my entire life. And their like definition of winning a big game is beating like Michigan in 2018, who ended up being like not great, or Oklahoma in 2012, finished yeah. the season 15th. Um, <laughs> This felt markedly different, that they actually beat a genuinely top-tier team for the first time since probably Florida State, who was number one in 1993. So it has been 27 years since they've beaten a number one team, um, which is a long time. Um, I think it proves they're back as a contender. I think it proves that I was wrong about Brian Kelly. Um, (laughs) I think while it's taken the better part of a decade, he's finally got them to be like an actually elite program. Um, in terms of the pure game itself, it's also just one of the best football games I've ever watched. Yeah, um, it had everything. It had Notre Dame went up big and Clemson came back all the way back. But the Notre Dame had that drive down the field, a 91-yard drive with like a minute and 20 seconds left to send it to overtime. Mm-hmm. Ian Book played excellently. Um, honestly, really surprisingly, based on him as a my experience with him as a quarterback over the last two and a half years, he came up really big, threw the ball downfield well, especially that big pass to Avery Davis on the last drive. Um, mm. the, the pass defense, too. Or not the pass defense, the rush defense. Yeah. Incredible. Holding Travis Etienne to 28 total yards, yeah. or 28 rushing yards. Very impressive. All headlined by Jeremiah Owosu-Kormoa and that incredible, like, weird fumble return touchdown <laughs> thing, too. So, honestly, probably their biggest win in, like, the better part of two decades. And... I'm impressed with the whole team around, but especially Book, and especially just, like, the rush defense as a whole. Yeah. I I definitely think it's a – well, for me personally, yeah, it's definitely number one as a game. But I think in in terms of fighting Irish lore, I I put it – it's too early to tell because we need to see how the season ends and, like, what we do with it. Obviously, top three. Right now, I put it two behind Catholics versus Convicts because we won the championship that year. I mean, this game had all the controversy, too, that you wanted with, like – Dabo intimidating the refs to picking up a pass <laughs> interference call and all that stuff. Uh, I was just impressed in general. Uh, yeah, with the rush defense, we held Clemson on third down to what was it, four and 15, which was also pretty impressive. So, um, but I think the most impressive thing was that we just beat an athletically superior team where, I mean, on Clemson's roster, they have 11 five star recruits. We have two, you know? So it's like we. So that's kind of the difference between like this consistently elite team and Notre Dame. Or if you want to say 
and, and we beat them. But if you want to blame it on like Clemson's injuries, all right, let's say they were all five-star recruits. That's four players. Let's say we're four five-star recruits away from being potentially the best in the nation. I think that's pretty impressive. So that's what I was happy with. Yeah. I'll also throw Kyron Williams in the conversation as well. Oh, yeah. He played excellently as well. Yeah. Like, not only three touchdowns, 140 yards, yeah. but, like, this has been widely commented on. This is not an original yeah. thought, but his blocking is incredible as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah. Like, he just played excellently as well. Yeah. 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 I'm just, like, overall excellent performances all around. Yeah. 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 We really won the game in the trenches, yeah, between the, the run defense, as you mentioned, yeah. and running on offense. We were, we were pushing them around at the line of scrimmage. So despite them being athletically superior, we were, <laughs> yeah. as, as one might say, um, but we were still able to, yeah, hold our own there. So yeah. that's definitely I mean, encouraging. We, yeah, <laughs> We finally proved how good our O-line is, like I think yeah. I said last week. We finally proved yeah. it. We didn't let a good team sweep us in the second half because you always know like good teams make those great halftime adjustments like Alabama and Clemson, yeah. and we didn't let that sweep yeah. sweep us basically. So, very impressive. When book fumbled into the end zone, though, I'm like, it's over. It, like, I'm like, yeah, there's that's no right. way. I'm like, yeah, that's like right. this is just like it's encapsulating every big Notre Dame game ever. Yeah. Like going up big, a chance to go back ahead, and then just like fumble the ball away in the end zone. Yeah, I thought yeah. I thought it was over when Dabo intimidated the ref into picking. <laughs> yeah. I was like, "This is that's the the clincher right there." Dabo gets. But then they wants. had like that super I weird. Did. I still don't know what happened with the clock when when uh, we got that like there was oh, a holding on Clemson on second down, and for some reason the clock didn't start again. I have no idea why, but we kept our timeouts. It didn't matter anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> didn't he, yeah, didn't use any of the timeouts, which is like a bold move. <laughs> yeah. Like, we, we like, when, to, like when yeah, it was yeah. first and goal on like the four and then threw for three straight pat plays yeah. with yeah. two timeouts, I'm like, this seems uh, yeah, like a, a, a tactical mistake. But, <laughs> but Ian <laughs> yeah, coming through. Worked. Yeah. yeah. Did you guys also see that Jeremiah Wusu koromoa was technically down before scoring on that fumble return? Yeah, yes. yeah. That was crazy. Yeah. I was like, oh. For, yeah, for refs that reviewed literally everything, I'm surprised I know. that, yeah. <laughs> that would escape their view, even though it was like the, the half yard line, right, or something. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there were several asterisks yeah. in the game, but the refs were definitely one of them. It was a, a bit of a suspect refereeing performance, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll yeah. take yeah. it. I mean, it goes both ways, but yeah. Exactly. They even out, I think. Um, Wyatt, you've been pretty quiet. Do you agree with Notre Dame being ranked number two? And don't you think two first place votes is a little low? Uh, I'm going to go with no and no to both of those questions. What? Uh, I, I want to give Notre Dame their credit for doing what they were supposed to do. I think that this was a good win against a great Clemson team. Uh, Brian Kelly was like 0-7 against top five ranked opponents before, so there's no better time to get your first win against the, than against the number one ranked team in the country. Yeah. Um, I said it uh, last week or two weeks ago that a win would definitely solidify themselves in the top four. Um, they're one of the top <laughs> programs in the, in the nation right now. I'm not going to die on the hill that they shouldn't be number two because I think two and three are kind of subjective. Like, it doesn't really make a big of a difference whether you're the number two or the number three ranked team mm-hmm. in the country because, I mean, you're going to play each other anyway. Uh, but I think that the fact of the matter is, is that Clemson was playing without several key starters, like their <laughs> starting quarterback or cornerback, uh, starting safety, both guys in the secondary that allowed big plays downfield. Um, future New York Jet, Trevor Lawrence, was absent of this game. Um, and I don't really care that much of the QB that did play, DJ Ugalele, I think his name. 
Uh, I don't care if he's a. No- it sounds. It looks like. Yeah. It looks like when I'm reading it. it I'm not going to attempt it, it, but yeah, yeah that was not it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jared said it right. Yeah. Nice. Um, anyway. <laughs> yeah, I don't care if he's the number one prospect overall. I think to be a true freshman and to play in a a big primetime game like just two or three starts, and this is his first road start, um, yep. it's going to be hard. And I think that he did play well and. Quite frankly, I thought at the end of the game he looked a little rattled, which might have been a big difference if Trevor Lawrence had been in the game. I think by that logic, then we should discount um, Clemson's first national championship because Trevor Lawrence was a true freshman. Trevor Lawrence had right. 13 starts in a <laughs> before he played a He didn't have 13. He came in in the middle of the year. Anyway. I don't think that's true. <laughs> no, that, that is true. <laughs> I don't true. think that's true either. <laughs> that is Fact true. No, Kelly, Bryant started, <laughs> Kelly Bryant started, and then they went, no. and then they, uh, went to uh, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, and he got hurt for a game, too. But anyway, yeah, but I don't know if I'm going to be honest, the difference in the ACC championship, presumably if we get to that point, it will not be Trevor Lawrence. It will be the defensive pieces like why I mentioned. I think Notre Dame is going to have a much harder time putting up 47. Well, okay, disregarding overtime, (laughs) they're going to have a much harder time putting up that many points against the full Clemson defense. Well, who knows? <laughs> it'll it will be harder, but I I don't know if it's gonna stop them. You know, obviously it'll be harder. But yeah. I will book it right now that they will not score this many points. <laughs> However okay. many they have, yeah, yeah. 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 That's, a double overtime. That's a pretty easy. Yeah, that's what I just said. Yeah. <laughs> at the end of regulation. I yeah. Thirty three. I think. Thirty three. Thirty three. Yeah. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah. Well, I just want to be clear. I don't think that Clemson would have wiped. Notre Dame had the had they had those players in. I just don't mm. know if the outcome. I can't say like that they're the the That's best ranked true. team in the nation and they deserve more number one uh, votes because after the, some guys were out this week. I, I think it's laughable to think that they're the number one team in the nation. <laughs> it's not laughable. Okay. I don't know if laughable. Yeah, I think they. No, I think that I, they. I would say laughable. I think Bama has a better case to be number one, but like I don't know, they beat. They, they have the best win of any team all year. In the last yeah. three or four games, they've kind of smacked around their opponents. Like, the, the, smart, the start of the year wasn't good. Like, the Louisville games or the Duke game. But, I don't know. Killed Pitt. Killed South Florida. I can killed... say with confidence that Alabama would beat the brakes off of Notre Dame if they, no. were, to play, if they were to play in the playoffs. <laughs> That's, That's what everybody said about That's Clemson. And yeah, look where on. we are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah rewind, Jared. Can you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> we should check. Um, okay, Bart, as our resident quarterback guru, I have to go to you on this question. Uh, did Ian Book establish himself as an elite QB? No. Top eight? I don't think so. Is he a top eight uh, college football guy? Yeah. <laughs> well, that that he might be. That's a, probably a better question. I don't think so because to me, elite would would suggest that he has an elite track record, which he definitely does not, in, in my opinion. One good game does not make you elite. I mean, his best season, I think we would all agree, was last year. He put up excellent numbers, but even then, like I don't think anybody would have said he was in the tier of like Trevor Lawrence, Fields, or Burrow. Obviously, Burrow was in a class of his own, but still, I mean, he was he was really good, but he's just like he was. He was solid, you know, but like this season, he's still really efficient, but he, his numbers are way down. I mean, like, can you be an elite quarterback if you're barely averaging over one touchdown a game, which he is? Eight touchdowns in seven games is like quite, quite pitiful, in my opinion. I know that, I mean, he doesn't have, he's not asked to do much more because the run game is so terrific this season, but still. Um, but like, like Lucas was saying, it was an excellent game. Like, he really got some monkeys off his back, I think, and, and he silenced his haters, if, if you will. 
Um, yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, he excellent pocket presence. He made some huge throws. He just, like, overall was, like, super composed. And I think he's the, he's the reason the offense stuck together after the fumble, after the PI, like we talked about, after going down by a touchdown in overtime. So he was huge. And if he keeps this up, I think it, it, it's a better discussion at the end of the season. But right now, I mean, one terrific game against the best team in the country yeah. isn't enough to, you know, suggest that what he's been historically is elite because I don't think it is. Yeah. I think he's like the Ryan Tannehill of like college football quarterbacks <laughs> in that like he's efficient, he manages games well, he can have big plays, and if you put him on a really good winning team, they can do things. Yep. Yeah. Um, I mean, even in this game, he wasn't crazy efficient. I feel like yep. this game, his performance, kind of like Bart alluded to, is not really measured well in the numbers. Is more just um, yep. him keeping the offense together. He, did, he was really good at scrambling and keeping plays alive yeah. and either making yeah. the throw or getting the first down on the run, yeah, he was, uh, which yeah. was really impressive. But I think, too, that I agree, Bart, that he's not, and he didn't establish himself as an elite QB. But I think that speaks to how good Notre Dame is. Matt, who would be picking – who would be picking – which teams would you pick to beat Notre Dame if they had Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields? Like, they would be awesome. You know what I mean? It's just – I think that I you guys didn't there. like Justin Fields. I, like Justin Fields. I just don't think yeah. he's quite as good as Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Show, show me the tapes. Yeah. <laughs> Every time I mention Justin Fields, you guys you guys like to dig back at me. Like, I, should, you know, well, because you're saying he should day. be drafted number one by the Jets, and nobody agrees. I don't know if I anyway. said that. I think Wait, that you picked you, whatever you picked. He's, you picked, he's assuming that Trevor's skipping to miss out on the Jets. So yeah, I think that's you know, yeah, yeah. Fair. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean yeah. Fields is like at worst the third best quarterback in the country. At worst, I have nothing against him. Yeah, yeah. He's the second best. Yeah, he's second best. Do you guys do you guys agree, agree though? If we had like if we had Trevor Lawrence, or, do you think we're an elite quarterback away from being able to, from being like a consistent Bama Clemson team? Yes, uh, I'll say that because like aren't most programs. Line. No, I don't know. Most no. programs aren't that aren't like Florida, for example. They have Kyle Trask. They've had Kyle Trask for two years. They still they can they can get some of those big wins, but they can't finish. We'll see what they do this year. You know what I mean? And, like, when Texas Tech had, like, Pat Mahomes, like, yeah. clearly elite, like, and they were not good. Yeah. Because yeah, well, I think they're, like, the best – they have the best offensive line in the country. They have arguably the best defense in the country. Like, I, I like I don't know what else you could want on a team. Yeah. Like, except for a good quarterback. And Book is, like, good enough that they can still be elite. But if you have, like, a Lawrence or a Fields or something like that, like – or Mac Jones, if you want to make that argument, even though I don't – want to um like <laughs> but then, then the, the question is like is it uh is it an indictment of brian kelly's recruiting or like his his quarterback development like why why do we seem to, incapable of getting that kind of player at quarterback i think it's because I, I feel like under, under kelly we haven't had one right i mean i think we would probably agree yeah 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 i mean it's it's kind of it's quarterback development like i said earlier we we got we have two five star recruits. We do really good on four star recruits though. We have more than Clemson on, on that front. But um, I, I I think I think Brian Kelly's doing the best job he can on the recruiting trail to get people to come to Notre Dame. I think it's just I mean we see quarterbacks kind of regress under Brian Kelly. I think in the and they're they like are really well. They're really good their first season, and then defenses figure them out or something their second seasons. I think it's development. So we'll see. Yeah. I also think though that's part of the reason why they wanted Tom Reese to be the offensive coordinator because they wanted a quarterback guy to be the, the offensive coordinator. Yeah. Also, a shout out to to Tom Reese who yeah. like outcoached Brent Venables, who's like yeah. the best assistant coach in all of college football. Twenty nine year old 
not that yeah, great at quarterback Tom Reese. <laughs> 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 an offensive mastermind. Yeah. Got, got a slide in the shade when you Exactly, can. yeah. <laughs> Aiden, how does this change the narrative around Brian Kelly, if at all? Um, I mean, as as some said on this podcast, he wasn't an, an elite coach until he beats big opponents. Here is his big opponent. Um, I just don't totally buy the narrative that one win is going to change that the same way that it's not going to change things for like Ian Book, the way that um, Bart said. Or I just think if, if that does change the narrative, I think that's just kind of dumb. I mean, they were like, this was a game that was like, was a toss up at the end. So you're saying that if, you know, if they lost, if for some reason, you know, Book didn't complete the the third down pass at the end of the fourth quarter and they couldn't convert on fourth, like that Brian Kelly's legacy should be completely different. I don't know. I think it's all going to mm-hmm. depend on how the season progresses from here, because if this if they end up losing the ACC championship or losing, you know, to one of their um, not great remaining opponents, um, I think that this win won't end up meaning that much. Um, but if they end up in the title game or you know if they won of course this will mean something um then i think it would change the narrative but i don't think on its own i think at the moment it feels huge and you know momentous because it was it was a huge game but it might not in three months if we don't close well so i don't i don't think it's gonna be the kind of end all at least for the for the moment for brian kelly you know I heard this on a podcast that I just started listening to called The Late Kick with Josh Pate that there, there's a difference between a coach that can't win the big game and just hasn't won the big game. Obviously, now we see Brian Kelly just hadn't won the big game. It wasn't that he can't win one. So I, I, I think it's like, I, I like kind of, I like like big moments that I think can change programs. I, I feel like this will hopefully be one. I think, I think it will be, to be honest. I think it's, this kind of stuff, especially like on NBC, everybody was watching it. You know, it was the only game. It was the only game going on at night. That was good. Yeah. Like, the, I think this will be huge for recruits, yeah. and just I, just yeah, so that people believe that like Notre Dame can do it. You know what I mean? I think people needed to see that. I want to yeah. share yeah. in your optimism, but get back to me if when he does the same thing in the ACC championship or the college football playoff. Mm-hmm. All right. But- but I, I'll, get, yeah, I'll yeah. get back. I will. But I, I agree with, yeah. <laughs> I'm booking yeah, well, that I'm going to get back to you on it, Bart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, th- I think Jared's right, though, that regardless of if they lose the ACC championship, like this is going to have a positive effect on recruiting. Like even if it's mm-hmm. just like this moment and, you know, causes a couple people to consider it that wouldn't have, you know, because if we're missing the five star because people don't think we're elite. I think even for a couple months, if we can get a, a couple, you know, five stars interested after something like this, I think it could happen. I think it'll yeah. help out. According to 247 Sports, Notre Dame has the eighth most talented roster in the uh, in college Probably. football. Clemson's fourth. Uh, guess who's number one? Does anybody anybody have a guess? Bama. It's not Bama. Is it BYU? Ohio State. <laughs> <laughs> good guess. Coastal BYU Carolina. is a good guess. Yeah. <laughs> It was close. It was. It's Georgia. Oh, <laughs> interesting. According to they have they have uh, Georgia has sixteen five stars on their um, roster, which is more than the entire Pac twelve. Pretty interesting. So, um, I, I think I think that's a that's a good time to move on. Um, now that every real conference is playing, the college football playoff picture is starting to take shape. It's time for every uh, college football fan's favorite verb, a verb hypothesize. Uh, Lucas, let's start with you. What is more likely to happen in the college football playoff? Two ACC teams get in or two SEC teams? 
It's a good award. Hypothesize. Uh, <laughs> and uh, two ACC for sure. Uh, because if you have two one law, if like Notre Dame and Clemson split the games and those cancel each other out, I don't see a way you can exclude both of them because they will have both. Like you, you mean, can't count against them a loss against another. Yes, either of them. Uh, you can't count against them a loss against each other if they're both clearly elite teams. So I think if if Clemson wins against Notre Dame in the ACC championship, then I don't see a way you can leave them out. Um, I also just don't think that Bama is going to lose this year. I don't think mm. I'm not convinced Florida is that good. Honestly, like, I just don't think they are. And especially, like, or a level of competitiveness against Bama. And I don't think they'd give, like, a non-conference champion A&M with one loss mm. a berth over Notre Dame or Clemson. So I just, I just, there just don't seem to be a lot of, there seem to be a very clear scenario for it to happen with the ACC and not as much with the SEC. You would probably have to have Florida beat Bama, and I just don't think that's going to happen. Gotcha. Good rationale. Bart, what do you think? Literally, Lucas took the words out of my mouth. Verbatim. (laughs) Yeah, I I would say the same thing. ACC seems far more likely just because, like, of all these scenarios that we're hypothesizing about, uh, Clemson beating Notre Dame in the ACC championship and then both getting in with one loss seems far and away the most likely. I agree. Bama will almost certainly not lose. I mean, the Gators Gators are quite good this year. I would not Mm -hmm. put it past them to beat Alabama in the – uh, SEC championship if they get there, but yeah, the Aggies seem like they are out just because they have that loss already, and uh, they probably can't catch Bama to get a spot in the championship. And then there's no way they would get into the playoff without even being in the SEC championship, I would think. So yeah, that's where I would stand. Yeah, I, I actually, I, I'm inclined to go two SEC teams. Actually, I think it's good rationale, but I think the SEC and the committee loves Notre Dame, but the SEC bias is even stronger. And the SEC still has three teams in it, I think, where the ACC literally <laughs> only has Clemson, Notre Dame. I don't uh, see a path for A&M in it all. It, well, there is a path if Bama somehow loses twice in the regular season, which probably <laughs> wouldn't happen, but they're still in it. They're still in it. Where I don't well, think there's I, many, there's any path for any other, any other ACT, ACC team. But we will see. Bart, what were you going to say? I was going to say something that was factually incorrect, so never mind. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> that doesn't um, usually stop you, Bart. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm logging off for the <laughs> All right, um, let's go on to the next one. I'm going to start with you again, Lucas. Who's more likely to make the playoffs, 3-0 and Indiana or 5-1 and Oklahoma State? Going with the Hoosiers on this one. Wow. Uh, okay. Well, because I think, again, like the path for them is there's a clear path for this to happen, even if mm-hmm. it's not likely. They basically just need to win out. Like, and they've, they've already won so far. And they play Ohio State. If they beat Ohio <laughs> State, then they're in. Like, is that going to happen? Like, almost certainly not. But, like, <laughs> so you is know, it more likely then? I don't know. I, it's more likely because, one, I don't think Oklahoma State is going to win out. I think that's almost certainly not going to happen. Two, I don't even think a one-loss Big 12 champion will make it in. I think there's zero scenarios in which five, in which Oklahoma State makes it in, and I think there's like maybe like a two percent chance Indiana makes it in because <laughs> in in the case that they beat Ohio State. So again, while like not super likely, I think of those two scenarios, I think Indiana's in better position because it just involves one very clear path to happening. Whereas mm. I think pretty much all the roadblocks are up for Oklahoma State. Wyatt, do you have any opinions on this one? 
I went the opposite direction. I think that Oklahoma State has a little bit more clout here. And I think clout the clout's a huge <laughs> factor for me when it comes to uh, college football playoffs. Um, <laughs> I don't think – I mean, I don't know if either team is going to be impressive enough at the end of the year anyway, but I think that because Oklahoma had a really good start of the year, if they finish strong, it might give, the, give them some benefit of the doubt. Yeah, we'll see. I would I would have to go Indiana. I mean, they if they won out, they would have a super impressive resume. Um, but Oklahoma State, every game they've played except for Kansas was has been very close. They're not really playing good football to be honest, and Oklahoma is. I would be sh- Oklahoma Sooners are. So I'd be shocked if they even win this week to be honest. I think the Big 12's out. So we'll see. All right, let's go to Aiden on this one. Who's more likely to make the playoffs? We already mentioned them. Five and one oh. Texas A and M or six and one Miami. Uh, I'm going with A and M on this one, um, and honestly, I don't think either team really has a shot. To be honest, mostly because both don't have an easy path to their conference championship. They need mm-hmm. good teams to lose, um, but I think A and M is a better shot just because they have a signature win at this point with a, a victory over Florida. Miami doesn't really have anything. Um, I mean, they got you know um, trounced by Clemson, and that's pretty much it. So I, I think that, yes, the A&M route is unlikely, but I think it's possible. If Clemson loses the ACC championship and the Pac-12 and Big 12 have two lost champions, I think a- and A&M wins out, which is not a given, but the yeah. hardest part of their schedule is done. I think they're only playing one more ranked team in Auburn um, at the end of the year. But I, I think it's in that case, I think they would be the fourth team to make it in with um, Bama, Notre Dame, Ohio State. Again, that's not likely, not super likely, um, but that's a good point. A, though, yeah. I think it's a better chance than Miami, which I don't, I can't really envision a a path for Miami because they don't have a serious mm-hmm. win, and I don't think they'll have a chance to, given that they've already played Clemson and probably aren't going to make the championship. So, um, Wyatt, what do you think? No. <laughs> I pretty much disagree with you all the way. I think that Texas and would probably <laughs> be the team to make it in. Um, SEC bias a little bit. They have a little bit more clout. I love the yeah. clout factor when it comes to college football <laughs> playoff. Um, and then they've been improving over the last couple of years. So I think that they would probably just get the nod there. Yeah. 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 I, I agree with that one too. I, I didn't think about the fact that about the PAC 12 and big 12 just being completely out. So they have a shot. Um, and if Notre Dame wins again, so we'll see. Uh, last one, Bart, I'll start with you. If we get this scenario, who would get in? A 6-1 and one Pac-12 champion or an undefeated group of five team, which would presumably have a, like 10 or 11 wins? What do you think, Bart? I, I think it's got to be the group of five team. Um, Whoa. The Pac-12, with, with just seven games, I think you've got to win them all. One loss out of seven <laughs> games is just too much, I think. Um, like, yeah, I mean, we've talked about this before. Like, interconference comparisons are really tough this year, right? So I think, like, you can't – how can you fault the, the group of five teams for – winning every game that's in front of them. Like, I think it's just, it's too good of a resume. I think a far better question is if, if uh, like, Oregon or USC, for instance, go undefeated and there's an undefeated Pac-12 team, I think then it's actually a, uh, still a close argument. But if, really? if a Pac-12, te- yeah. I, I mean, because, like, 11 games to 7, I still think is really, like, significant. Hmm. Um, but in this particular scenario, yeah, I got to go with the group of five. I'm all on board the group of five train. Notre Dame winning this week might have shut the door on that, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> Aiden? Um, I'm going with undefeated group of five team as well, I think. Wow. Um, though, yeah, I, th- I think it will kind of depend, first of all, on I think there's only got to be one group of five undefeated team, like a clear mm. 
Cincinnati or BYU. Um, I don't think really Coastal Carolina or the others matter. I think if like both Cincy and BYU are undefeated, I think the college football playoff committee is just going to be like, ah, I'm just, you know, uh, not giving to either of them <laughs> just because it's easier. Um, but I don't think, I've, yeah, I think Bart's right that seven games and the Pac-12, like the Pac-12 is two ranked teams at the moment, right? With USC and Oregon. And again, they, so, yeah. they played, you know, two games, but like USC didn't look great. Um, and nope. you know Oregon look good so they definitely seem like a possibility uh, but it's not like that's a hard con- it doesn't look like it's a hard conference this year so it's hard to make the argument that like oh they had a much harder schedule than a, a Cincinnati or BYU I think um, if you're trying to make that so I, I do think group of five would take it also I just I just want group of five to make it <laughs> it's interesting because the AP really likes group of five teams but the committee yeah. never seems yeah. to like them which is I really know. interesting I know I think I would agree that it's it's a pandemic year, guys. Uh, that would be the year to put a group of five team in, probably. I agree. Um, so they can lose and just show that they claim that they should get in is utter yeah. nonsense. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but this is this is an interesting real quick uh, thing that I'll use to segue into our next topic. Every year we punish the group of five for what conference they play in and like things out of their control. So it would like kind of like make sense if the tables turn and we punish the Pac-12 for their <laughs> conferences decisions. I think that'd be kind of funny. Um, <laughs> useless fact of the day there are five unranked group of five teams uh number seven cincinnati number eight byu number 15 coastal carolina number 16 marshall and number 22 liberty Uh, for someone as myself that advocates for a narrow four-team playoff i'll admit this is pretty concerning lucas where should we've kind of discussed this already but where should slash will these teams play come bowl season if they stay undefeated so should and will i think are two very different questions definitely um if this many group of five teams go undefeated um i feel like it's the it has to be like the breaking point for one to get in it frustrates me more than anything else um these teams have like no real reason of playing in the fbs if like honestly like what's the point like you do everything you're supposed to do and they don't let you in and jared's gonna make his like elitist argument that they should just join a better conference and play better teams but like to some degree that's like out of their control like cincinnati can't just go like to like the big pens offices in chicago and like knock on the door and be like please let us in like to some degree they can't control that um we've talked about before like they can't really control who they schedule in any one year teams can be good or bad or whatever and just like honestly based on actual performance cincinnati and byu especially have been beating teams down this year it's been really really impressive to watch both of them play so i I think there's the assumption that maybe they wouldn't be able to compete or make it into the playoff or whatever um but these teams like do win the big bowl games they get put in sometimes Mm -hmm. like ucf won boise state won yeah well yeah but sometimes (laughs) when when has oklahoma ever won a playoff game has been put in like it's the same argument you know like (laughs) so um I don't know. What will happen is that they'll go into the Peach Bowl and it'll be whatever. But <laughs> I don't know. I think this this has got to be the year, especially if there are this many undefeated teams, especially ones like Cincinnati and BYU who are like killing everyone they play. Like I feel like you have to give them a chance if they go undefeated, especially if like there's only <laughs> one undefeated conference champion of among the group of five or mm. among the the Power Five. Gotcha. Wyatt, what do you think? I know you had some thoughts on the previous question. Did you? Uh, I did not. No, <laughs> it's okay. Though. <laughs> I, I, thought, I don't remember. Sorry. I don't remember speaking up on my thoughts there. So. <laughs> okay, that's fair. I'll, I'll go in for a little bit. I don't. I don't. I don't have a problem with a group of five team making it in, but I. I do have a problem 
if they steal a spot from a deserving Power 5 team, in my opinion. So I'll, I'll give you that an upper-tier group of 5 team is better than the bottom feeders of the Power 5, which is evident in their their bowl, um, their bowl records. So, Lucas, you always tell me, by the way, that these distinctions are arbitrary, but I'll, I'll give you some numbers, okay? So last year, um, last year the group of 5 against Power 5 was 4-4. Four and four. But if you look at those wins, three of the group of 5's wins were against teams that were 6-6. Six and six. So I'll give you that uh, ten and three Cincinnati is probably on par with like the middle middle of the road ACC teams, but when the when the top group of five teams play top power five teams, they they lose. They lost to Penn State, Memphis lost to Penn State, Boise State lost to Washington, but they lost. Uh, their twenty eighteen okay. bowl record against power five, by the way, was two and three. I mean, when you just That's when you not start comparing, yes, it it's a losing record. Two, Hold on, two here, here's and three. Thing. It's not like they're like zero oh and five. Here's like, another thing. That's group of five records against the Power Five in 2019, they were 22 and 71. That's a 31% winning percentage. Like, can we really be saying that there's no difference between the group of five and Power Five? Well, there's a huge that's difference. Also, there's a huge there talent a, gap. When, and I think what, the Sun Belt beat thing, the, the Big 12 in like every game they play this year. Wh- one more thing. Oh, when no. you start comparing like what was your best win and you can't show me a top 25 team and you have a Power Five team that beat a top 10 team, I don't think I think the group of five should be out in that scenario. You know what I mean? Like I, I know they're going undefeated, but if you if you didn't prove, you need to prove something in the regular season. I know I know I get but it. Like, Some of it's out but, of his control, but I I do have a problem if they're going like to steal a spot from a deserving you said power before, five. It's just like a, a, a ratings thing. Like the, the, the but it's not completely arbitrary though. It's not completely you know? arbitrary, but like. Why is Auburn in the top 25? Auburn is awful, <laughs> but they're in the SEC, and they have, like, a slightly above 500 record. So, like, so a lot of the top 25 is just, like, an extension of the group, the Power 5 bias. Like, if there's a moderately competent team, they're going to rank them. Yeah. Also, so, Jared, reason, yeah, yeah. you're saying that if, if they had a chance to prove it in, uh, I don't know, hypothetically, uh, an, eight, eight, an 18 playoff, um, <laughs> that would be a bad idea? No, they, they shouldn't even be – I don't like the 18 playoff, obviously. I think – I, I think if they had a chance in like a bowl game, like let's say Memphis beat Penn State last year, then they should they should get in. But I don't think, like, I just don't like if you're taking taking a spot away from a team that had one bad week, but they beat like two top ten teams, and you're gonna but you're gonna give it to an undefeated group of five team. I don't I don't think that's fair. But the group of five team had no bad weeks in this case. I mean, I think the point but, is. But that should you we just be, can't ju- be should certain. we be judging them? Should we be judging them on their worst loss or their best win? I think their best win should matter more. Personally, I don't. I'm, because you I'm prove that you can, that. you prove that you can, you can hang with the, with the big teams. Aiden, you're not sold on that idea. But you also like may not show up in the you know against a really bad team also jared i would like to uh dispute your point that the 10 and 3 uh bearcats were would have been a middle of the road acc team last year given that they played a middle of the road acc team in their bowl game bc who was six and six going in pretty much the definition of a middle of the road acc team and they won 38 to six so i don't know okay well so what's okay so they're yeah. They're upper, they're upper three fifths. I'll give you that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was BC's worst loss all season. Besides, I would assume Clemson. But anyway, I'd have to. I don't know, but when the when the group of five champions like Memphis and Boise State play a real team, they lose. They lost to Penn State. Boise State lost to seventy five Washington. 
I don't know. I think I feel like we have enough evidence already to see. <laughs> I, I, in my opinion, I, I think would, uh, yeah. if there's if there's like two lost conference champions, right, and and group of five teams undefeated, I'm good with that. But not if there's a one loss champion that has like a couple top ten wins or even one top ten win. I'm not. I'm not okay with that. With the group of five team getting in. So, I mean, BYU has no wins over a currently ranked team. Liberty and Coastal Carolina are going to play each other, so they won't um, both finish undefeated. And Marshall has nobody ranked on their schedule. So, we'll see. Cincinnati beat, beat SMU, so we'll see. Hey. But who's 19th right now? I just think also the, the undefeated thing, we can just discount it as a pandemic season. Nothing matters. Jared just wants us all to be ruled by philosopher kings. Anybody have like a... A real decision making. Yeah, you just ability. want some. You just want some random tournament with like sixty-four teams in it. I'm, I'm, I'm not. No, okay. I don't. I'm very <laughs> Roll the die. I think eight yeah. teams is a good number. <laughs> I gotta put. I gotta put a straw man argument in there somewhere. Okay, uh, we'll set uh, I just did. So <laughs> All right, let's move on to our lone NFL topic. The Denver Broncos are three and five. Is that correct? I believe that is. Drew Lock has had his ups and downs. Two weeks ago, his up, he threw a game-winning touchdown to beat the LA Chargers. Then he danced on them on the field. Colin Coward criticized Drew Locke for dancing, and Drew Locke's response was pretty legendary. He said, that person just might not be able to dance as well as I do. So I would be sour that way too. We'll see. Hopefully my dance moves get better in the public eye because I promise that they're not going to stop. Wyatt, do you approve of Drew Locke's antics, and is he the answer in Denver? I... I love the term antics when it comes to NFL players with personality because we talk about <laughs> Odell Beckham and Drew Locke. We use the word antics, but when we talk about Tom Brady, who's like the physical embodiment of sour cream, we call it something else. <laughs> I mean, Drew, Drew Locke can dance and he can move however he wants to. Um, as long as he wins, he didn't dance against the Chargers in like a blowout <laughs> loss or anything like that. Um, yeah. If I, I mean, if I was his teammate, I would be disturbed if that was the case. But, I mean, we just watched Jameis Winston be featured in the dance circle against the New, or- in the, in the New Orleans locker room when he didn't do anything for te- <laughs> against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Teddy Bridgewater did the same thing several times last year. I mean, people dance when they win, and they're allowed to have a good time and do all that other stuff like that. So um, I think that he is the answer. I hate to say this is a coronavirus year. This is a really tough year for Drew Locke. Um, he mm. hasn't been able to get a lot of wind underneath his wings. He's been hurt. He didn't start a full season last year either. Um, I think he has all the talent in the world. He just kind of has to get some more time and more consistency underneath his belt in terms of playing time and personnel. Because let's not to mention at the same time, one of his best pass catchers, Noah Fant, has been out. Cortland Sutton went down this year, who's like their number one receiver. And then everybody else is kind of still getting to their own because they're still a really young team overall. What do you what do you say to the fact that Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow are doing super well, and Drew Locke in, in his second season isn't doing as well as those guys? Do you think it's just the injuries or what? I mean, yeah, it's a, there's a couple of things. So Joe Burrow plays in a really good system in a pro style. I mean, Zach Zach Taylor is a really good offensive minded coach. I think that the Bengals are not as bad as we kind of credit them to be before. They still have talent on the outside, and T. Higgins and A.J. Green. Still have Joe Mixon and Giovanni Bernard uh, as the running backs. Pretty decent. I mean, not decent line. It's a battle line. But 
Um, Jay Herb is playing in like one of the most has like some of the most weapons he could possibly have. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, um, great defense. Like there, it's completely different than Denver, who still is kind of going through. I mean, they don't have a stout defense anymore because Von Miller went down. I mean, they're all right, but it's not what they what they were. And again, like they don't have the weapons on the outside. It's it's not the same system that both the other two quarterbacks are playing in right now. Mm. I feel like Tua. I feel like Tua this year is going to be a good barometer for Drew Locke. It'll be. They're having like kind of similar games. I feel like, like Drew Locke's only thrown over three hundred yards one time. His best game is three touchdowns and one pick. I, I'll be interested to see if Tua. What if Tua outpaces Drew Locke? Is he still the answer? Mm, I mean, I think you've said the term before. Like, if the quarterback plays himself into a top pick, um, then no. But so if Drew Locke finds his way into the top five and they're able to draft a quarterback, then probably not. But, I mean, if he plays well enough and they win a couple games and they stay in the top ten or somewhere outside the top eight or something like that, maybe they won't. They won't. They probably won't move on from Drew Locke then. I think he's a really talented player. I think that he has a chance to be a really good uh, starter, but... I mean, I think next year, the third year is always like the year where you start judging players fully. I think we kind of get a little caught up in the idea that players have to be good right away. Because, mm. yeah. I mean, let's oh. be honest. Russell Wilson wasn't. He was not this player right away. He was a game manager for a couple of years. I, I think that we're getting way too caught up. I mean, Peyton Manning wasn't really good right, uh, right off the bat. Eli Manning, like... There's Drew Brees. I mean, not everybody is a star right away. I just don't think we're as patient as we used to be. Yeah. Philosophical. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Deep stuff yeah. in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. Lucas, also, what do you think of your dark horse NFL MVP? Yeah. Hmm, I don't know. A <laughs> great pick. Like, he's fine. Like, uh, I don't I, I do agree to some degree that with Wyatt that we need to be more patient because he was like, he burst onto the scene last year and this year he's been just sort of like mediocre but I don't know I'm not convinced yeah. that that was a good decision on my part either <laughs> here we are I think he's no Gardner yeah all of our yeah he's no Gardner MVPs are terrible except for Josh Allen I think that's yeah, the only yeah, one that was that... a good pick though Josh Allen I don't even think that was like was a dark the best horse one. yeah yeah that was I, a dark yeah. horse he dark slowed down enough, a little but bit. The least dark horse. He's way less of a dark horse than Drew Locke or Gardner Minshew. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, I think yeah. I've I have not been. I don't have super high hopes um, for Drew Locke, and yeah, maybe it's because I'm impatient. But it is kind of hard to be patient when you see Burrow and Justin Herbert and and Tua like like Tua in his second game. He looked better than any game Drew Locke's had this season. Like Tua was. Two touchdowns, zero interceptions, seventy-one percent completion percentage. Like Drew Locke hasn't been taking care of the ball. Like, like his mm-hmm. he had a good game against the Chargers, but like that's that's kind of been it so far this year. So he's, I he don't know. Interceptions, his yeah. touchdowns. Is here. Yeah, yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah. He's six. Yeah, I mean he's he's the only people behind him and like quarterback rating are uh, Dwayne Haskins and Sammy D. So. I don't know. <laughs> an, an elite trio that's, that's not great and yeah, yeah yeah definitely injuries and it's been it's a coronavirus year so i think it's definitely worth riding about through the end of the season for sure but so, i don't know you know aiden would you rather have drew lock or sam darnold um mm. good question 
neither. Um, <laughs> a first round pick next year. Um, I think. <laughs> mm, I think Drew Locke because I've seen more of Sam Darnold. Yeah. Um, and I'm not not buying what he's what he's selling. And again, yeah, there's there's definitely discussion to be had about what Sam Darnold will look like in a different system. But I'm not. I don't know. I feel like we've seen good quarterbacks at least you know perform passively in a bad system you know and sam darnold has not been he's not been mediocre he's just been bad and i think that's worrying in in year three even though obviously he's had you know his his own illness issues um so we haven't seen as much of him as you know some other quarterbacks but yeah crazy yeah i I think when you look at drew lock you have to look at him a little differently because I know you want to compare him to Tua Burrow and Herbert, but all of those guys yeah. were top, I yeah. think, six picks or something like that, and Drew Locke was drafted in the second 40th round. 40th or something, yeah. Like, yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, it's it's oh, different. Fair. You When you draft a guy outside of the first round, you have to look at them more as a project than an immediate, um, yeah. you know, contributor to your team. I Tua was far and better, a better prospect coming out of college than Drew Locke was. And I like Drew Locke, and I thought yeah. that he had talents, but he yeah. was raw altogether. I mean, Burrow and Herbert are, are the same cases where they're just – they were just better prospects. So if we yeah. want to judge to, uh, Drew Locke as a top-five pick, then, we're, then you know, we'll, we'll never be happy with somebody drafted outside of the top yeah. ten. Yeah. No, I All right, let's, yeah. let's compare him to Dak yeah. then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I'm just kidding. Oh, God. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I would say that the Cowboys would kill to have Drew Locke right now, probably. <laughs> that is, yeah, that's true. Hey, Garrett Gilbert actually didn't play too bad. You got to give him some props. Yeah. He's the future. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the guy who deserves the contract. He's yeah, like, what, exactly. the fifth string quarterback right now or something like that? Yeah, something crazy. Cooper Rush, Ben DiNucci, Garrett Gilbert. Who am I missing? Da- obviously, Dak Andy and, uh, and Andy Dalton. So, yeah, it, I, it was funny. I think ESPN, ESPN or Bleach Report tweeted out. It was like, which which rookie quarterback would you rather have right now? And it was like the three obvious ones, and then Ben DiNucci. Everyone was like, why do you have to drag Ben like this? Like, he's part of an historic draft class. I, I think that he's worth yeah. mentioning. Oh, my God. All right. Well, that's gonna do it for this week's episode. Next week is episode fifty-two, which would mean that we've done this for fifty-two weeks which is probably what, about a year? Something like that if my math adds up. Um, Go ahead and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thank you guys for listening. Have a good week.